Well, hopefully you had a chance to join us last week because we made a huge announcement. Over the last few weeks, we have been unrolling this vision for our church moving forward. And last week, we shared with you that we are proposing moving forward as a church with a new name, Local Church. Now, local by definition means belonging to a particular area or neighborhood. And so for us to be locals, it means that we realize that we belong to this community, that we have a home here, that we have a place here, that for 101 years, our church has been in this community, has been in this city having an impact. But not only that, we still want everybody, anybody who walks through the doors or is a part of our uh, church, a part of our assembly to feel like they belong here as well. We want them to feel like they're a local, whether they're inside the walls of this church or not. And so we are so excited to move forward as local church and what we're doing. Now, last week we shared with you this story from scripture in Luke. And uh, there's this lawyer, this like smart guy, and he's trying to, you know, try and catch Jesus and, and figure out a way that he can stump him. And he's like, Jesus, like, how, how do I, how do I, you know, get into heaven? How do I make sure that I have eternal life? And he's like, well, you know, you know, the drill, like, you know, love the Lord, your God and love your neighbor. And, and he tries to stump Jesus. He's like trying to find a loophole here. And he's like, okay, okay, Jesus, I hear what you're saying, but who's my neighbor? And as we move forward with this idea of local church, with this concept and this vision of us being the local church here in our community, we really have to stop and take a step back and say, okay, what does it mean to really be a neighbor? Last week, we talked about how there's like three kind of reactions that happen in this story. You've got the like pre religious like snooty guy who's like oh oh yeah okay well maybe I'll just pray for him but I don't really want to get involved you've got the Levite he's like the assistant in the temple and you got him go by and he literally crosses to the other side of the street and moves right out of the way because he's like oh what's happening there is too dirty it's too messy I don't want to put my hands on that I just want to stay clear and then you have the reaction of the Samaritan man who steps in and Jesus says he is the one who is the neighbor in this situation. And so we kind of had like this outward view last week. And this week we're going to zoom in just a little bit and focus on the life of that Samaritan man who Jesus says, that's the neighbor. That's the way that I want you to act. Because I think there's so much for us that we can learn from this small little story about who we're supposed to be in our community, how we're supposed to move forward as we kind of move forward with this new direction and this new vision. And so for us to be local church, we need to not just identify who our neighbors are and who our local people are, but figure out what does it look like practically to be that church, to be those people, to be, you know, humans who are actually stepping in and showing mercy and grace and love to the people in our community. I want to read that story just again for you. You heard me say some of that in my own words, but listen to what Jesus says here. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of all his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then 
And this is where we're going to focus today. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And Jesus says to the man who asked him, he says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. And so here you have in this story, somebody who's not just saying like, you know, yeah, I'm a religious person. Yeah, I have influence. Yeah, I have position. Oh yeah, I I love God. You actually see Jesus point out that there's a man here who actually puts his words into actions, who sees a need and actually meets it. And that is the kind of church that we want to be here as local church, we want to step into people's lives. We want, to, we want to see the person who's in need and step into that. And that's essentially what Jesus said. Yes, when I say love your neighbor, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about praying for them or stepping over from a distance or trying to keep your hands off. I'm talking about stepping into the lives of people and actually having an impact. See, there's a couple characteristics of a neighbor that we find in just this one simple verse in Luke 10, 33. This verse, it says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. In that one verse, there's three characteristics of a neighbor that we can pull out. The first one we see is that the neighbor had an unfavorable reputation. The very first part of verse 33 says, Then a despised Samaritan came along. Now, the Samaritan people, basically, if we go back a little bit in history, And over the last eight weeks, we've unpacked a little bit of the biblical narrative from the time of creation right to the time of Jesus. So we we like unpacked all that. You might remember a few weeks ago when we talked about how the tribes kind of rebelled and divided. You have the tribe of Judah, uh, like the southern tribes kind of go down in the south and then the northern tribes up at the top. So the southern tribes of Judah, they kept their like capital city as Jerusalem where the temple was, where they would go and worship God. And all the northern tribes made the city of Samaria. Samaria, their capital city. And so later on, a few hundred years later, when Assyria, the Assyrians came in and they conquered them and they took them captive and they just like, you know, ransacked that city and they took the uh, Jewish people as their slaves and they went into captivity. Uh, During that time, the Assyrians and the Jewish, northern Jewish tribes, they kind of intermarried and they had kids and they sort of formed like their own sort of people group and their own religion that became known as the Samaritans. So for all the Jewish people, they hated the Samaritans. Like to them, the Samaritans, they called them dogs. They called them half-breeds. They were sort of like the, you're not one of us. We don't like you. We don't want to be around you. You you have a different kind of religion than we do. There's a different kind of something going on there. It was like they wanted nothing to do with him. So when it says that he stepped in, a despised Samaritan came along for this Jewish man that Jesus is talking to, this Jewish lawyer who's like, so tell me, Jesus, who's my neighbor? As soon as Jesus would tell this story and say a despised Samaritan came along, immediately for that person, that would be the villain in this story. 
Like the priest and the Levite, the, like the ones who were like, oh, these, these are our like spiritual people. These are the ones who really like know what they're doing. Like in, in this man's mind, as he's having this conversation with Jesus, he's hearing Jesus tell the story. He's going to assume right off the bat that the Samaritan is the bad person and the good people is the priest and the Levite. But Jesus goes on to tell the story about how, hey, the religious one who you've made the hero of your story, he's not actually the one who's following my heart. The Levite who you've made the hero of your story, he's actually not the one who's doing what he's supposed to do. The one who actually steps in as a neighbor in this situation to love his neighbor, to care for people, is the person that maybe you have villainized, like the person who's least expected. And so we have this Samaritan, this despised Samaritan come along and step in and he becomes the hero of the story. Now, I have heard people say things like, I don't know, this world is just not a world for Christians anymore. Christians are being silenced and they're being oppressed and and there's so much judgment and criticism that comes against Christians and there's all these things. And listen, I'm not disagreeing that that's, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not saying that there isn't, you know, some bias and some negative. And honestly, if we're being honest, if we're being honest today, some of that is well earned. Like I hear people sometimes say, I don't know if I could be a part of Christianity. Like what about the crusades where Christians came in and they killed people? What about the stories that like Christians have as they go into some of these nations and and they kind of like try and wipe out the indigenous people in those areas and they push their own religion and their own thoughts on them. Like, is that really who we want to be? And it feels like sometimes we have been like, we've been painted with this brush that's like, Oh, I don't want that. I don't want to be that. And I think even in our city, in our own community, Christians can sometimes have a bad reputation where people, whether it's because of their experience, whether it's because of a a past hurt or a history that Christians have been attached to that is not quite create like a nice narrative. It's easy for people to like write Christians off and be like, I don't know. I don't think I want to be a part of that. I don't want to listen to you. I feel like you don't have anything to say to offer me. But this is where we need to be careful that we don't act like the priest and the Levite in this story. Like Jesus is saying, you literally have these like despised outcast people who step in and the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is not who they are, is not what the history is, is not what their religious background is, is not what they've done in the past. It literally is about how much they love people in that moment, in that day. And so you have this Samaritan that comes in and sees this man who's been beaten and bruised and robbed on the side of the road. And he puts all those past things aside because love is there. And I want to challenge you this morning that I really, I, I really believe for us as a church that there are going to be walls that come down in people's lives when we stop trying to be religious. We stop trying to be, you know, this like fancy pants, whatever thing of like doing religion a certain way. And we literally just strip that all aside and say, I'm going to love you. I'm going to show compassion on you. I'm going to care for you. That strips everything else away. And that's what happens in this story. You have this unfavorable reputation that doesn't matter in that moment. And as Christians, I recognize, even though I know that so many of us have good hearts and so many of us want to do good, that unfavorable reputation is there. But that reputation matters so much less when love 
steps in. And when you have compassion and when you show mercy and when you show care, the neighbor first had unfavorable reputation, but second, this neighbor had an unavoidable awareness. Let's go back to that same verse in chapter, uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 33. It says, then a despised Samaritan, a man with an unfavorable reputation came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Let's focus on those few words right now that say, and when he saw the man. Because the next thing that happens here after we recognize that he's an unfavorable reputation is that we see that there's an unavoidable awareness that comes. He saw the man. He saw him in front of him. He's traveling on his way and he can't unsee what he's seen. He can't unsee this wounded, broken, robbed man on the side of the road. And once he's seen him, he can't unsee that. And this is what I believe is like, we can only play Plead ignorance about things until we know better. And once we know better, we have to do better. Once we see the need, we can't avoid it. And so I think for a long time, it's easy for us to just like turn our heads and block our eyes and look the other way. It's, it's easy for us to sometimes convince ourselves that things that are problems aren't actually problems. It's easy for us to convince ourselves that there's, you know, there's not really things that are going on in the world. But listen, once you know the need, you need to do something about it. We can't avoid it once we know. I want to share a couple things that are happening in our world right now with you that once you know, you can't unknow. Once you see, you can't unsee. Do you know that one in five Canadians of all ages experiences a mental health problem? And that by the time Canadians reach 40 years of age, one in two have or have had a mental illness? One in two people by the time they reach the age of 40 have had or currently have a mental illness. Did you know that First Nations youth die by suicide five to six times more often than non-Aboriginal youth? Suicide rates for Inuit youth are amongst the highest in the world at 11 times the national average. Did you know that 81% of LGBT individuals say that they have felt or feel distressed, loneliness, isolation, or discouragement related to their sexual orientation or gender identity, and three out of four LGBT respondents say they have experienced bullying, threats, hurtful, or derogatory comments. LGBT youth who report having at least one loving adult were 40% less likely to report a suicide attempt in the past year. Do you hear that? If LGBT youth had one loving adult who actually cared about them and invested in their life, they're 40% less likely to commit suicide. In a 2019 study on racism, this is last year in Canada, in a 2019 study on racism, almost 50% of Canadians believe that it's okay and actually normal to have racist thoughts. 50% of Canadians last year said, ah, it's normal, or it's okay, or at least normal to have racist thoughts. Statistics Canada reported that the number of police-reported hate crimes reached an all-time high in 2017, largely driven by incidents targeting Muslim, Jewish, and Black people here in Canada. Across Canada, black people remained the most common targets of hate crimes based on race or ethnicity. Some 16% of all incidents involved black victims. Now, before 
before you start saying like, oh, come on, like I know that's been in the news right now or I know there's been people talking about that or I know people have said things here and there, but like this isn't a problem that we need to get involved in as a church. Listen, can I tell you something? That like once we see the need and we see the injustice and we see the pain and the hurt and the brokenness, we can't unsee that. So it's one thing if we want to turn a blind eye and be like, ah, I just don't want to. It's just too hard to look at. It's too hard for me to handle. I don't know how to address that. That's one thing. But once we see it and we recognize that the need is there, we can't unsee it anymore. And so for this, in this story where Jesus is saying like, this Samaritan man comes up and he sees the man and now there's an unavoidable awareness there. He can't unsee him once he's seen them. He has to make a choice in that moment. Am I going to step into his life and bring hope to him or am I going to keep walking on by? And our responsibility, this is why Jesus says, that's why he's a neighbor. Not the priest and the one who walk over to the other side and say, this isn't my problem. He's saying, you wanna be the church? You wanna be the local church? You wanna be a neighbor to people and you wanna love people? You gotta step into their lives when you see the pain and the suffering and the brokenness. And so that's why, listen, it's easy to sit back right now. Some of you have seen some of the things happening in the media with Black Lives Matter. It's easy to sit back and be like, that's not my problem. I don't understand why people are making a big deal about Listen, did you hear that statistic? The biggest, the the largest number of hate crimes happening in Canada right now are against the black community. Like to to tell ourselves that's that's not a problem for us as a church to step into and to fight against that injustice. I think we're kidding ourselves to see that there's like, there are like a ridiculous number of LGBT teenagers and young people and young adults who are tormented and who are just like literally feel like they can't live anymore because of the depression and the pain and the grief. Listen, I'm not talking right now about whether you're judging their actions, about whether you think what they're doing is right. I'm talking about the fact that they are broken, hurting humans who need someone to love them. I'm talking about our indigenous community who for so long has seen Christians as the people who came in and stole their land, as the people who tried to wipe them out as the people who tried to colonize them in a certain way. Listen, for us to step into their lives and say, listen, we're just here to love you and to show compassion on you. That's a totally different approach. That's who we want to be as a local church. For us to be locals, to belong to a particular community or a place, that's what it means. That's what it means to be local church. It means people who step into the lives of our neighbors and we say, I see you. I'm fighting for you. I'm with you. The neighbor had an unfavorable reputation, an unavoidable awareness, and an unbiased compassion. Luke chapter 10, 33, you've already heard me read it. It says, then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. He felt compassion for him. He came along and he saw him and his heart went out to him. It doesn't say that he judged him, that he was like, hmm, I wonder why he deserved to get beaten up right there. Hmm, I wonder if he would help me if I was in need. Would he fight for me if I was in need? Would he stand up for my, no. It says he came in 
and he saw him and he felt compassion for him. And Jesus is saying, that's what it means to be a neighbor. That's what it means to be a local. It's not stepping back and saying like, I don't like how you were doing that. Or what if it maybe should happen this way? Or I don't know what the way that they're acting, that kind of lifestyle, Pastor Kim, is unbiblical. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying that you should judge them. It's not saying that you should nitpick and point fingers and try and figure out what in their life needs to change. It says that he felt compassion for him and we're going to talk about this next week. Then he comes to his aid and he helps him. But first he needs to feel compassion, not because he's trying to change him, not because he's trying to convince him of something, not because he's ever done anything for him. He was a despised Samaritan and he still stepped in to love people. Our job is to show compassion and love. Our job is not to judge and to correct. And my fear is that for far too long, we have been sitting in here in the safe walls of our church And we've been in our little holy huddles and we've been gathering around with each other and we've just been saying, oh, the world is so dark. Oh, everything out there is so twisted. Oh my gosh, everything is just so messed up. Did you hear what this is? Did you see what people are doing out there? I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to hear people talk like that. I don't want to do that. And we've been sitting here in our huddle trying to protect ourselves from this culture who's broken and hurting all around us. And Jesus is saying like, You're kind of missing the point here. A neighbor isn't someone who goes, steps over to the backside and goes over to the temple. The neighbor is the person who says, whoa, 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 what's happening? What's happening? What? I might get blood on my clothes. I might be a little stinky. People might see me associating with someone who they think is kind of dirty. I'm going to step into their life anyway and show compassion on them. That's what it means to be a neighbor. That's what it means for us to be a local. That's what it means for us to be local church. And we are not going to be a church anymore that is accused of sitting around in our holy huddles saying, oh, oh, the world, oh, Oh, yeah. oh, the world. That's not, that's not who we're going to be anymore. We are going to be a church who says, no, we might not think that your life biblically aligns with scripture. We might feel like there's, like there's things that we don't know, even know how to speak to. But as a human who was created in God's image, you need to know hope. You need to know love. You need to know mercy and you need to know grace. And we step into people's lives and love them. Our job isn't, try, isn't to try and judge and correct people. Our job is to love people. And I'm not saying that, well, well, what about the Bible? Don't you know, Pastor Kim, the Bible says, don't you know that it says we should act like this and not like this? Yes, yes. We as believers who have adopted this message, who have said, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. That's what it looks like for us to follow Jesus, to, to make sure our lives align with the heart of God. And that means we'll participate in some things and not others. But for people who have yet to experience the hope of the gospel, they don't know. They don't know. And so why are we expecting them to figure that out first before we can step into their lives? I'm not, I'm not even suggesting. I'm not even suggesting right now that we even need to go in there and say, listen, listen, here's what the Bible says. So you need to clean this up so that you can get your life back. No, all I'm suggesting, I'm suggesting that we step into people's lives and we love them. And we make them feel that there are people who are committing suicide that know that we're in their corner. 
That doesn't mean that we are saying that what you're doing is biblical or what you're doing is a way that I would choose to live my life, but it means that we value them as a human and we understand that they're hurting and we wanna see that pain stop. It means that when we see injustice happening with different racial groups and like indigenous people and the black community and, 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 that we step into that as believers and say, not on my watch, not in my community will you be treated that way. Not in my community will I let that slide. Not in my community will I let you feel oppressed and trampled on and judged and like not on my watch. That's our responsibility as neighbors, as a church community. And I want you to know that if you are a part of this church and if you are a part of local church moving forward, that this is a safe place for you, that we will fight alongside you for the value and the worth that you have. We will fight alongside you and make sure that you know that you are created in God's image and there is a place for you in this house. We will make sure that you know that. Our job is to show compassion and love, not to judge and correct. See, it's easy for us to see things that are unbiblical and condemn, but that's not what the Bible tells us to do. We're supposed to step into people's lives and love them. And through that, we change culture. We're supposed to be thermostats, not thermometers. We're supposed to be the ones that are setting the temperature, not just saying, oh, it's pretty dark in here. Oh, it's pretty cold out there. Oh, no, we're supposed to step in with the love and the peace and the joy that we have within us and shift and change the culture. You wanna see the world change? You wanna see our city change? You wanna see darkness flee? You wanna see something in our community begin to get better? then that's our responsibility as people who've experienced hope. It's our responsibility as as people who have experienced life and freedom. It is our responsibility now to step out in our community and say, we're just gonna love people radically. We're gonna care about people. We're gonna share hope with them. We're gonna live our lives with such a joy and a peace that people are gonna be like, can I have some of that? We're gonna be people who make sure that the oppressed and that the voiceless have a voice. We're gonna make sure that any person created in the image of God has a chance to be treated as an equal. That's our responsibility as a church. And so that's who we are. And in doing that, we don't just stay within here and be like, oh, it's pretty cold out there. Oh, it's pretty dark out there. It means that we step out and we say, hey, I'm the thermostat. I, when I step into an environment, I can change the atmosphere. When I step into my city, I can change the atmosphere. And that is what local church is. Local church is about stepping into our community and being a thermostat that changes the atmosphere. It's about us realizing that we can bring hope to every home because we have an answer in Jesus. It's about us recognizing that there is a life uh, and a full life that we live, that we can extend that opportunity to other people. And we don't judge them and we don't condemn them. We love them and we let them encounter Jesus and work that out for themselves. That's our responsibility. So we are over the next couple of weeks, gonna walk through what it looks like for us to move forward as local church. We're gonna, we're gonna walk through that and give you a picture, just a small picture of what that looks like. But I'm telling you right now that the one thing I do know that it means to be a neighbor, to be locals, to be local church is to step into people's lives who are broken and who are wounded and who need a little bit of help and say to them, we're with you. One of the issues that we have been walking through uh, personally and, in, and, and with our team and in our community and globally around the world um, 
has been the conversation of racial prejudice and racial issues surrounding the publicity around Black Lives Matter. And so we realize right now that there is a time in history where there's some unrest happening, where people are asking questions about like, is this really a problem? Is this really going on? And so we began to ask ourselves that same thing. Is this really a problem in our community? Is this something that we as a church need to step up and speak to? Is this our responsibility to do something about this? And so we decided that uh, we didn't want to just be people who just move aside. And like, once we see it, we can't unsee it, you know? Like once we know that it's there, we can't. And, and when we became aware that there was an issue, we said, okay, that's who we are. That's who we are, local church. That's who we are, locals. That's who we are, APA. We are people who step into the lives and we advocate and we give a voice to the voiceless. And so we had a conversation recently with some people in our community about what this looks like. And we have a really, really exciting idea how we can help actually do something to show compassion and to give a voice to people who've been oppressed in our community. Watch here. The issue of racism, it's almost like you live it. You don't really think about it. Um, because it's your reality. Right. It's something that you've taught, you've kind of trained yourself to deal with from three years old, two years old, from the moment they say, why is your hair like that? Right. Why is your skin look so black? You know what I mean? You just kind of tuck it in your heart and you toughen up. With so much happening in the world right now with regards to like racial issues and Black Lives Matter, we just thought like now is the right time to have a conversation just about like here in our community, what is it like to live as a person of color? What does it look like for you to, you know, walk through uh, racism or, you know, just different situations, even with your friends, your family, your community, what does that look like? And so um, before we kind of get started into that conversation, I know not everybody knows each other. So let's just introduce ourselves and maybe you can share a little bit about who you are and uh, maybe your background a little bit and why this issue, this conversation about race is even important to you. Yeah, my name is Peter and um, 24, my family came to Canada say 13 years ago from Congo I think one experience that I was sharing with a friend yesterday was that like when I would come home from soccer practice really late um, I knew like it wasn't even something that like I wanted to do but like it's, it was something like it was like an instinct inside of me where like I wouldn't want to put my hood up because it's late and I'm a black guy and I don't want to look scary I would take my beats off because I don't want to look like you know like I can't like I'm trying to scare anyone so it's like and I would walk home, try to look as harmless as possible in my own neighborhood. Awesome, my name is Amina, and I am actually a mother of three children, a single mother. I've uh, been in Canada since I was eight years old from Uganda. Uh, so yes, racism is something that I've experienced from the get-go. There's no teacher that my child, my children, all of them, from my daycare teacher, that I haven't had this conversation with. Because why? I know it's gonna happen. So, all of their teachers, that's the question. Is that if there's ever any situation where you notice something that's not right um, based on skin color, somebody says something to me, let me know. You know, my, my uh, two-year, she's four years old now, but when she started daycare two years old, I had to have the conversation with the daycare. I said, you know, she's going to be the only black girl in your, in your child care center. I want you to know these things do exist. She was shocked, yeah. you know. Um, things do exist and lo and behold it did happen you know you can't play with us because your hair is not 
right? right? You know, but these are conversations. I have to have these conversations with my children. You're gonna face racism. Yeah. Um, my name is Ogechi, and I'm 17, and I'm half Indigenous and I'm half Nigerian. As I was growing up, until high school, I was always like the only person that was black in my class. This was super hard to see because like every picture day, I want to have my hair pinned straight because everyone else had straight hair. And like even seeing from my little sister, like she's like, oh, I wish I had blue eyes and straight hair like my Barbie dolls. And it's just so sad to see because she's only seven years old and she already has this insecurity seeing that in her, like the difference between her and her classmates, right? Mm -hmm. So like it's important to see representation. It's also important to acknowledge that like Canada isn't perfect at all. And like pretending like it is, is doing more harm than it is doing good. Um, my name is Jazzy. Uh, I'm 23 years old and I'm Indian. I remember the first time experiencing racism towards the Indian community was when I was driving with him and somebody rear-ended him and got out of the car um, and I was too little to kind of, you know, really conform my words and all that but my dad got out of the car to speak to this person and when he came back after that interaction he just looked really upset and rattled and when we got home I overheard my parents speaking and basically what had happened was the guy took advantage of my dad because he doesn't speak good English um, and he has an accent and he's a turban so my I guess the other person who was was white just kind of assumed that he was uneducated he couldn't speak up for himself he couldn't defend himself so he totally turned on the situation and it went on my dad. Uh, lastly my name is James I'm 32 it's a little bit of a generational gap for some of you guys. Um, <laughs> I had to, yeah, I grew up with the, the pay to say, that's kind of what I came to terms with, is they would, my friends would say things and I'd be like, oh, well, like why would you say that? Right. Well, I paid for your education. Wow. I paid for your, like the way you live. I'm the one who's giving you all these tax breaks, you know? Like, the pay to say, it hurts. It's hard. What happened was wrong. It was really wrong. Um, but as a police officer, at least in my community, I know that I can't change, I can't solve racism. Um, <clears throat> every police officer that I work with has taken an oath to protect um, our community, protect your lives, protect your property, and, and without discrimination. And we're not perfect. As, as myself, I'm not perfect. As a police agency, we're not perfect. And I think that there's a lot of room for us to learn about each other and continue to remind us about that, that undercurrent and just to be really cautious and cognizant of each and every one of us as a human, not just mm -hmm. as a police officer, as a human. That is what we are about in this community. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Let's bring the light. 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 What an incredible conversation to listen into. I, I honestly, I, I don't know about you, but I still have tears in my eyes just from how powerful and how moving that conversation was. And I think it's one that we need to have time and time again throughout our community.
Honestly, it's so powerful, so powerful. And, and we don't just want this to be a trend. We actually want this to continue forever and we want to show all people of color that we will always be with them. So let's bring the light. Let's bring it, let's bring it to our homes, let's bring it to our porches, let's bring it to our windows so that people can sh see that we're all standing for people of color. So I, maybe you need to grab flashlights, maybe you need to grab, grab glow sticks, turn your porch light on, maybe it's holiday lights, I don't know what it is, but let's show our support for the people of our color, not only in the, our city but across the world yeah like this is the deal guys we want to make a statement here like we want to make a statement in our own home by lighting up our balcony every single day this week so starting today for the remainder of the week the next seven days we're encouraging you to say hey let's make this more than just a conversation let's put some action to it let's yeah. actually do something to show people of color in our community that we are with them and that we are for them till the end of this thing like yeah. Like we want to make that bold statement in our community. And so we're encouraging you, like Danny said, let's bring the light, grab let's whatever lights you have, whatever that looks like, you can get so creative here. But light up your houses for the next seven days. And if you want to encourage your neighbors like around your block to do it as well, head on over to hey-neighbor.com and you can find all the details there to share with them so that your whole street can be lit up for this whole week. And so that as people of color drive through Abbotsford, they can just see this city filled with light. Yeah, let's bring it, eh? Let's yeah. bring it. Yeah. Second thing we have for you guys today is that we want you to know that June 24th, we are, are doing Purpose Track. 7.30 p.m. June 24th, and we want you guys to be involved in that. Yeah. Because, because quite frankly, we believe that you guys have so much potential in you. And we know that, that, that yeah, we've had this season of sitting back and seeing what's happening, but let's take action now. Yeah. Like, let's be a part of our community. Let's do yeah. things for our community, in our community. See, we want you to, t to, to participate in Purpose Track so that you can take those next steps in doing what God has actually called you yeah, to do. Yeah, I think like most people in our church, if you're familiar with Purpose Track, you might actually think of it as like, oh, I have to take Purpose Track if I want to join a team to serve at church. That's not the point of this. The point of Purpose Track is to say, listen, you have gifts, you have abilities. God has created you in a certain way so that you can make an impact in your community. We're not limited by the four walls of this building. We want to give you all the tools that you need so that you can go out and make a difference, even despite COVID and everything that is happening. So sign up on our website. It's going to be super fast. You're going to get all three sessions in one hour. So it's going to go by so fast. It's going to yeah. be so fun. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see you there. Can't wait. Can't wait. Third thing we have for you is uh, there's some pretty big things happening around here am I right I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know I don't know what you're talking about I know what I'm talking about we we have a name change coming which is crazy we have it's so exciting so excited I'm, I'm pumped I am pumped and, and it it's all happening within yeah. this next three weeks so can, can, you, can you give us a little information on Yeah, that? there's so much to know about it. If you're a member particularly, I want to talk to you first. Check your emails because in your emails has listed everything that you need to know, whether it's about all the details and regarding why we're changing the name, all the questions that you may have, uh, information about our heritage hallway, and anyone can come to that heritage anyone, hallway, by the anyone. way. It starts this Saturday, so check on out. Check on the website for all the details about that Heritage Hallway, as well as for the vote itself as well for members. Your email is going to have all the information that you need regarding that vote on July 5th. Yeah, make sure you tune in to your emails because it's so vital that you're just like, 
a part of everything that's yeah. happening yeah. because we just want you to just be informed. Yeah. And even if you're not a member and you want to know what's going on, why we're talking about a name change, you really need to listen to this whole local series. It is such a game changer for understanding the vision behind why we're changing the name here at Abbotsford Pentecostal Assembly uh, and how we envision our church moving forward as well. Yeah. So listen to that. We've got DVDs available if you can't uh, access the internet as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many different ways we're making this available yeah. to you. So if you have questions, just reach out. We'd love to fill you in. Guys, what an incredible Sunday. Woo! So many awesome things. So, so many awesome going. things have had, are ahead. And we just want to say, have a great week. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. See you guys later.